0: Hi, I'm Tiernan Ray, and you're listening to the Technology Letter podcast for November 6th, 2022. It was a rough week for stocks pressured by a very mixed bag of earnings. The Nasdaq Composite Index closed down 6% last week, the S&P 500 closed down 3%. I'm happy to report that the TL20, the Technology Letter 20, list of stocks to consider closed down only 2% for the week. So it's having a much better November than it did October. The week was a curious one for earnings. We saw some particularly rough treatment of companies for having only minor divergence from expectations. Zoom Info was one on Monday evening. Their reported results beat expectation but the upside in revenue just wasn't enough. Stock was punished severely. Same happened for Fortinet the next day, a security software maker. That company had a double-digit decline after it reported the smallest upside in revenue in years. We also had some seemingly recession-resistant stocks, including Jack Dorsey's other company. Well, I guess Twitter's no longer Jack Dorsey's company, but formerly Square, now Block, ticker symbol SQ, is still his company. is the company that started out by making the little swipe readers for small merchants to take a credit card swipe wherever they might be. It's expanded into financial services including something called the Cash App which also has a cash card which is being used now sort of as an alternative to Venmo. They have a surprisingly large number of customers for that. At least it's surprising to analysts about 14 million. Uh, reported results beat expectation and the stock soared on That report, the company during its conference call indicated nothing whatsoever of pressure on its mostly small business merchant class of customer, which is a little surprising given that we are worried very much about a recession either underway currently or coming. Nothing but good news from Square. And uh, another company that was sort of recession-resistant in the semiconductor area—very surprising. This was Microchip, which is a company that sells microcontrollers. These are sort of simpler devices, like microprocessors, but but much simpler that go into just about every electronic device in the world as a controlling chip. Uh, they said that they just can't keep up with demand. They have the highest backlog they've ever had, and. Um, when they were asked about the recession, the management said, you know, we just don't see anything going on at the moment to hold us back. So Microchip's kind of a wonder in chip land that is doing so well. There were also some losers, uh, software vendors predominantly, for example, Twilio and Atlassian. These are two companies that were very frank about seeing a lot of pressure on software sales. Now, we've been talking about pressure on software sales for the last two earnings reports. And it's a very, very mixed scene here. I talked with a young company, younger than both Twilly and Atlassian Amplitude. I talked with their CEO Spencer Skates on Wednesday. They both beat expectations and outlook and CEO Skates told me that so far they're seeing push outs of deals, but they're also seeing companies being much more careful about scrutinizing what they're spending on. Skates believes that they will continue to do well in the current environment because they are a must-buy for companies who want to refine how they develop their in-house applications. I also spoke with Rick O'Connell, the CEO of a company called Dynatrace, which competes with Datadog and uh, with Sumo Logic and with Splunk, a lot of others. And that company had to adjust their expectations downward, but O'Connell tells me the company's going to do uh, just fine The category of observability is important as companies try to make more efficient use of their use of cloud computing, which is one of the things that observability is supposed to do. The big star of this earnings week was Arista Networks. This is the company that competes with Cisco for data center switching. They not only had a much better than reported uh, expected report on Monday for earnings, but they followed up on Thursday with their analyst day. This is the annual meeting where a company gives the street a big sort of top of mind, big picture pitch about what they're going to be doing in the coming years. Arista CEO Jayshree Ulwal and CFO Ita Brennan told the street that their revenue for 2023 will be about 10% higher than the street has been expecting. It's $5.5 billion dollars as opposed to the current consensus $5 billion, which is pretty amazing. The street was fairly stunned from the reactions I saw. Among the things that is helping this happen is building what's called a data lake to analyze network traffic, but also a kind of a second network just for artificial intelligence applications that is taking shape inside companies as a parallel to the, to the main data processing network. And we've seen sort of mixed commentary from customers of Arista from Microsoft and Meta. Microsoft said their customers are trying to sort of streamline and, and tighten their belts about how much they use cloud. Meta said that they're going to step on the gas for capital investments in cloud. I think the fact is all of these cloud companies, Meta, Microsoft, Azure, Amazon, AWS, Google GCP, they're all in sort of an existential battle to maintain their cloud supremacy. And so for the moment, they cannot help but spend on more gear from companies like Arista. They also have a particular cycle that's going on now, which is called the 400G cycle. This is 400 gig networking, fiber optic networking. It's sort of the latest and greatest top speed for data networks. And uh, we saw this in past around 2017, 2018, with 100G, which was previously the top end, this is sort of an upgrade cycle for all of these cloud companies and Arista is a big player in that. So for the moment, no slowing down for Arista. I'm happy that this is one of the TL20 picks. Uh, so far, Arista has been uh, up about 29% since I picked it. Uh, it's still uh, down 9% for the year, but it's, it's been the best performer of all of the TL20 picks. So very glad to hear that. An interesting company that I didn't pick for the TL20 but had thought about was Wolfspeed, which is a semiconductor maker. They make a special kind of chip called a silicon carbide chip. This is a key ingredient in what's called a traction inverter. Traction inverters are a device that convert the DC current coming out of a battery in an electric vehicle into alternating current to power the motor. So silicon carbide has emerged in recent years as one of the key enablers of electric vehicles. Its use was pioneered by Elon Musk at Tesla and it has now become kind of the de facto chip that everyone needs. Wolfspeed held a meeting on Monday, this past Monday, October 31st, at the New York Stock Exchange. I was in attendance. Uh, They gave a big overview of, of the years to come. And one of the exciting things was they announced a partnership with Jaguar Land Rover. Jaguar Land Rover has a goal to get all of its vehicles to being electric in coming years, and they've inked a big partnership to buy tons and tons of silicon carbide from Wolfspeed for years in the future. Uh, but the meeting was uh, somewhat controversial. Within the four hours of presentation, most of which was heavily technical detail about making these chips, uh, the CEO, Greg Lowe, uh, and his uh, CFO explained that the company is going to have to find a way to finance approximately six and a half billion dollars of capital investment in coming years and that's because they're building out not one new but two new factories to build silicon carbine and they're one of the few in the world who could do this so it's probably worth the investment but it was much more capital intense uh, talk than investors had expected. Wolfspeed has been losing money for years now, negative free cash flow, but I think investors had kind of expected that as the volume of demand increased, basically there was going to be a glide path to Wolfspeed becoming free cash flow positive. Now investors are finding out they're going to have to wait for, well, maybe till about 25, 26, 27 to see positive free cash flow because of this need for financing this huge capital investment. Uh, The good news is there's about $18 in design in That's kind of business that's already in the bag for Wolfspeed chips to all of the major vendors uh, for production for years in the future. So there's a good ramp for revenue to look at. But this fact of having a much greater capital intensity for years is going to be hard for people to get their heads around. A few interesting things coming up in this week of earnings starting uh, the 7th of November, Monday, there will be an interesting read on consumers from Affirm Holdings on Tuesday. Tuesday is going to be the day that we see a lot of interesting uh, consumer companies. A firm is in that buy now, pay later area. This is where you, as a consumer, you purchase something and then you pay it off in six installments. You don't have to have a credit card. Uh, a firm lends you the money, essentially. And they do this kind of as a way to um, help uh, retailers and consumer product goods companies to basically bring in more consumers by being a, a feeder system, if you will, uh, to bring in the consumer who might not otherwise be purchasing by extending credit. So it'll be interesting to see what a firm says about rising rates, about the consumer's willingness to spend. That's on Tuesday. Also on Tuesday, we'll hear from Upstart Holdings. Upstart is a company that is uh, making personal loans and had been basically talking about using artificial intelligence to do better risk analysis of consumers in order to extend credit to consumers who might not have had credit in the past. Uh, I've been very skeptical of Upstart from the beginning because I think that uh, there was not sufficient explanation about what exactly this AI from them was supposed to be. And there was a lot of details about a couple large buyers of the loans, and so it felt more like a Wall Street loan financing structured credit deal that it felt like AI to me. Uh, With rising rates, personal loans start to become less attractive. um, And that's already hit the stock of Upstart this year. So it'll be interesting to see an update on where lending stands. What is the demand now for personal loans? Another interesting one on Thursday will be WeWork. Remember WeWork, the scandal-ridden block of office real estate. Uh, that was supposed to be so important. I'm interested to know how this functions in a perhaps going into a recession, because one of the big pitches about WeWork is when budgets are tightened, companies will not want to invest in real estate. They will really look to get short-term lease properties. And if that's the case, then that could still be an advantage for WeWork. So I'll be looking to hear what they say about the office real estate market. Uh, we'll also get more reports this week from the TL20 companies. Uh, Digital Ocean on Monday. That's the sort of small business version of Amazon AWS Cloud Services. And then Coherent on Wednesday. Coherent is what used to be 2.6, the semiconductor chip company, uh, fiber optic company that bought Lasermaker Coherent this year and changed its name to Coherent, ticker C-O-H-R. So far, uh, the TL20, with most stocks reporting, has had a great time at earnings. The average increase, average pop in the stock price following earnings is 3% Um, Some of the ones that have really good returns were uh, Universal Display last week up 9% Um, We had a 9% return from Checkpoint software recently and um, That's pretty much it. A 13% for Block was a pretty good return on its earnings We'll also have um, Uh, Some more coming up in the coming weeks. I I think we've got some dates coming in. Analog Devices is November 22nd. Applied Materials, November 17th, both of those in the TL20 and um, an especially uh, important one, exciting one for me. uh, NVIDIA coming up on November 16th. NVIDIA the dominant chip maker in AI chips. I'll leave you with a parting thought about recessions and stock performance. I I sometimes just like to go back down memory lane and look at how stocks did at other times that are interesting periods. So I went and took a look at the Great Recession. This was January of 2008, was the start of the Great Recession. It was right after the um, economic expansion that ended in December of 2007. And the Great Recession lasted through June of 2009, so January 2008 to June of 2009, the longest uh, downturn in the U.S. economy since World War II. That's why it's the Great Recession. Uh, During that round-trip time, I looked at about 200 companies, and what I saw was the round-trip decline of stocks from January 2008 through June of 2009 was 26 percent. So on average stocks during those 18 months declined 26 percent. Now the bounce back, the the trough for stocks, broadly speaking, for the standard pours and the NASDAQ was February uh, February, March of 2009. So about four months before the recession was officially over. However, many tech stocks Bottomed and started to climb again much earlier, up to eight months beforehand, back at the end of October. Um, the gain from the bottom in November of 2008 to June of 2009, sort of just using a rough time frame, was 44%. So that is, if you had bought stocks at their worst levels uh, and held them for the next eight months, you got a 44% return on average. Uh, that's after 42% decline in stocks uh, from January to November. So round trip decline 26% for the Great Recession of most stocks uh, that were already public at that time. A 42% decline from the start to the trough of the recession around October-November, and then a 44% increase. Um, and within that, it's interesting to go back and look. You had a lot of semiconductor companies that shows some of the biggest returns. Uh, For example, the return from November 30th, 2008 to the end of recession, June 30th of 2009 was 135%. Another chip maker, uh, monolithic power systems, 134%. Corvo, one of my favorites, one of the TL20 names, 183% from the trough to the end of the recession diodes a diversified semiconductor company, 235% return. Uh, That's after being down 85% from the start to the trough. Uh, Just some amazing numbers for the semiconductor companies uh, during that time. Skyworks, another great uh, wireless chip company, an 82% return from trough to end of recession. So maybe the takeaway here is at some point uh, after big, big declines in stocks, people are going to be starting to look for what things might be bouncing back, what things might climb through the rest of the recession. Now, the companies in the TL20 have seen, some of them year-to-date, big declines. Uh, In particular, companies such as DigitalOcean down 62% and uh, Advanced Micro Devices, the ChipMaker down 57%. Um, Snowflake, a very pricey software stock down 61%. Block, again, Jack Dorsey's company down 63%. So these companies Um, have already seen substantial declines but not as substantial as some of the 80% and worse declines we saw from the beginning to the trough of the Great Recession. So you could say there's room for more. There's more room for pain, more room for stocks to fall, but at some point there is going to be, uh, I think, a return to trying to buy into what could be the upturn for these stocks. Remember, we're not at a recession yet. It's not officially declared yet. Uh, We've had two quarters in a row of declining GDP. But the labor market's still tight, and usually it's a downturn in the labor market that you really have to see to, for the National Bureau of Economic Research to call a recession. But anyway, they always call a recession a year later, so um, they won't be telling you uh, when you need to know it. That's about all for now. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, as always, if you have comments on what you hear in the podcast, what you'd like to hear, what I could do differently, please do drop me a line and email. I do read email. I love to read email from readers. It's tiernan, T-I-E-R-N-A-N, at thetechnologyletter.com. That's tiernan at thetechnologyletter.com. Thank you, and have a great rest of your Sunday.